Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Statesman Sports Desk Podcast. He's Jacob Nielsen, I'm Parker Ballantyne, and we are, we're back to cover an upcoming Utah State football game, the homecoming game against Colorado State, and we will talk some hoops as well. What else is on the docket today, Jacob? Is that pretty much it? That's probably what we're going to talk about. That's probably it. Football yeah. and hoops. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much That's pretty much it. Once, uh, yeah, once hoop season rolls around, that pretty much takes up about 90% of my brain power the entire time. Let's hoops uh, is actually how you and I kind of like became friends and how I got my start here at the Statesman. So that's very true. Utah State basketball has always had a special place in my heart growing up, but especially now as a student and, and you know running the podcast and things. But You know what, really quick before we, we dive into everything, um, I want to bring up the USU women's volleyball team, just rapidito no mas. They have been such a turnaround last year with Coach Rob Nielsen, and then now this year, they're just they've been playing really well in conference play, and they're on a winning tear right now. They got they beat Air Force, UNLV, San Diego State, and Boise State, so they, they got four wins in a row. They play again against Fresno State in the Wayne Estes Center on Saturday at 1 p.m. So if you haven't gone out and seen uh, the women's volleyball team play, um, they're on a tear right now. They're doing really strong. They're seven and two in conference, 15 and six overall. So they're in contention to win the Mountain West Conference, which is crazy because this program didn't win a single conference game in 2019. Yeah. And so. Yeah, this could be a huge year for for Utah State volleyball as well. Uh, we've talked a lot about soccer. They're yeah. they've cooled down a little bit, but they're still having a great year. And Rob Nielsen, this is his second year overall, right? That's right. And his first year was kind of that coming into a program that's already established. So he kind of took over a program, um, and then it was also in the middle of a pandemic where you yeah. couldn't really go out and recruit and things like that. Um, and when I when I look at what volleyball's done in their second year under Rob Nielsen, I really think that Kayla Ard is going to do the same thing in women's basketball, where she kind of inherited a program that wasn't her own in the middle of a pandemic. And, like, how do you go recruit? You know, you can't go sit down and – in you know kids living rooms with their parents and things like that during a pandemic so i think the same volleyball turnaround that we're seeing we're going to probably see in basketball as well so like utah state sports right now i think it's probably one of the more well-rounded years we've ever had especially with like such a high performing football team right now then you have soccer that's been doing great volleyball it's doing great i'm really high up on men's basketball which we'll talk about but also women's basketball under kayla ard in her second year it's gonna be it's gonna be such a good year to be a Utah State fan. Did you see that promo that Kayla Ard's doing on Monday? Which one? So her she's having an open practice for the women's basketball team on Monday. Oh yeah, I did see. And she's gonna hand out five hundred dollars in cash to yeah. a student that shows up. Yeah. So if you're a USC student looking to make some cash, go to the women's open practice on Monday. The head basketball coach she's going to be handing out five hundred dollars. That's how bad she wants people to come and support her program and getting things riled up so yeah she's been working so hard to get people involved i was having a conversation um let's see yesterday as we record this when we when it airs it'll be a couple days ago at the coaches show i was talking to aj salvinson good friend of good friend of the program good friend uh, good friend of both jacob and and i but um he recently took over he, he replaced Jaden johnson as the radio play-by-play voice for the utah state Aggies women's basketball team and we were just kind of talking about the women's basketball team and he speaks very highly of Kayla Ard and her efforts to get the fans and the students involved. And so, I mean, it, it should be a really fun year. And they, they really want your support. And quite frankly, they, they deserve it. You know, they, they've been working really hard, and I think they're going to put together a winning season. So let's get out there. And, and once once hoop starts, 
Um, make sure you support the men's teams and the women's teams. Um, but, yeah, like Jacob's saying, until then, we have a great volleyball team that's still going. So lots of stuff going on for Utah State. Pretty much all we're saying is we got your calendar filled for you. We got your itinerary filled for you. We yeah. Got, yeah. <laughs> it's fall, but we're already starting winter sports here pretty soon. So, like, just, uh, just cancel all your plans. The schedule is definitely filled up for both fall and winter. The snow has melted, so it's no longer basketball season. <laughs> and my brain was just about to recover from my – over-eager basketball season brain, and I was just about to reel it back in, just about to come back to earth, and then the Mountain West released its preseason polls and preseason rankings, and that was really not good for, for my brain that was already in basketball season mode a little bit too early. There's no turning back now. It's, it's yeah, at this point, I've, I'm just going to cave, and it's basketball season now. So let's, let's talk hoops, and then let's do hoops football. We'll end on football I, because I, that I, is still... We're still in the heart of football season with a shot to win the Mountain Division. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, not to downplay football at all. It's just that we have to juggle now with football and basketball. Let's start Hoops, finish up with football. Hoops is right around the corner. Like I said, I was I was about to come back to earth and have it not be basketball season, but it's basketball season. We're, we're right there. The guys are practicing. The men's blue-white scrimmage got canceled. I'm not sure why. We have an exhibition game coming up. That's right. They play next Wednesday, I believe. Yep. Against Montana Western. Yep. Did you know that Montana Western was a real-life, living, existing institution? I actually did, but only because I am from the Mountain West area, just because I grew up in Utah. So. Gotcha. If I didn't grow up in an area that was geographically near Montana, I might not even know that Montana exists, let alone that institution. Oh, so, I'm with you. So, yes, I did, but... I think your point being that should be an easy win, even in an exhibition game. Um, the season starts officially. Starts on November 9th. So right around the corner still, just a couple weeks yeah. away. But the big news of the week is the Mountain West released its uh, preseason rankings. Utah State coming in at fifth. How, how do you feel about that? I, It's about where I thought they were going to be. Yeah, I'm comfortable with it, to be honest. I mean, especially if you look at the teams above Utah State, I don't think I, – I wouldn't put it past Utah State to go out and beat those teams. I think really when you deal with the Mountain West, it would be – you know, it's no fun to do it this way. It's like weak takes. But it, it makes more sense to just say, here's a team, here where they can finish. And I think Utah State's range is about one to six. You know, so five five falls right in that in that range, but – if you look at the teams ahead of Utah State, Colorado State, Nevada, San Diego State, and Boise, those are the four yep. above us. I'm I'm pretty comfortable with the preseason poll putting those four teams ahead of us. Boise's the one that maybe I would say, you know, we should be shown a little bit more love than Boise, but Colorado State's returning everybody. San Diego State doesn't rebuild, they just reload. That's and right. Nevada's bringing back pretty much everybody from their team, so I mean, you can't you can't argue with it too much, but at the same time, you also have to take this with a grain of salt and understand that one through five could be completely reversed, and it would still make perfect sense. I mean, that's just the nature of the Mountain West. There's nothing is guaranteed in the Mountain West. Yeah, I think that the top three is pretty defined. Yeah, um, it's the the top five lined up with the Ken Palm rankings, which were released on Monday. Ken Palm does a great job. So yeah. they actually I take that back. They were not aligned. Uh-oh. Colorado State's picked to win. Okay. San Diego State is second. They're actually first in Ken Palm with 
at 33. And then um, Nevada is up there. Nevada's 49. Colorado State. There's four teams ahead of Utah State in Ken Palm, and those are all the four teams that were picked ahead of them. Just mixed up a little In the preseason. So okay. Utah State's 95th. They're still top 100 in Ken Palm, which you, you got to be pleased with. They're starting out top 100. They lost their coaching yeah, staff. They yeah. lost their best that's, player. So that's what I was gonna say. Is you, if if you're really upset, I mean, you gotta understand Utah State is returning a lot, especially like in Justin Bean, and you're bringing in a lot. But we lost probably one of the best players this program's ever seen. Yeah, and we lost a great coach. Yeah. So I'm I'm comfortable with five as a preseason ranking. Let's go over the full rankings just so people sure. know what we're talking about in case they haven't had a chance to see it. Colorado State was picked at the top, like I said, comfortable with that. San Diego 2, Nevada 3. Those two, to me, are as interchangeable as any. Um, Boise State at 4, Utah State at 5. Comfortable, again, probably interchangeable on those two. 6 through 11 gets interesting for me, especially for the bottom half of a conference, which is almost never interesting. Let's run through 6 through 11, and I think there's some, some things going on there, too. Fresno State Bulldogs, UNLV Running Rebels, New Mexico Lobos, Wyoming Cowboys, San Jose Spartans, Air Force Falcons rounding out the 11 spot. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Air Force is definitely the worst team in this league. Yeah, so Air Force San Jose are just always the bottom half of the conference. They're just they're just those are actually the only two teams still competing in the conference that have never won a championship, won a conference championship. It's those two. TCU never did either, but they no longer compete in the Mountain West. Only two teams. And San Jose actually is the only team in the Mountain West currently competing that has never finished in the top three spots in the conference. So oh. in the Mountain West Conference, when we go play our turn in the Mountain West Tournament, San Jose has never been a top three seed. Everyone else has been. That's San Jose crazy. and Air Force are really just those two teams that, for whatever reason, can't get it figured out in basketball, not in this conference. Yeah, that's that's a pretty wild stat. That's good that you pulled that up. Um, and it's interesting. Air Force makes a lot of sense. There's certain regulations on, I don't know if the size limitations of who you can bring into the Air Force are as strict as they used to be, but it's but, still hard yeah, to get seven yeah, feet still... dudes to join the Air Force Academy. Yeah, And even then, just athletes, just your pull is just so limited on the athletes you can bring in. Yeah. And then San Jose State, they're in, they're in the Bay Area. There's a lot of talent surrounding them. But I think that what they lack that is a really strong strength for a lot of Mountain West schools is they don't have that the same fan environment. Yeah. So if you're a Mountain West level player from like Hayward, California, or from Stockton or something, yeah, and you have a couple of options, and you're Mountain West caliber, you're gonna go. There's ten other schools, nine other schools you'd rather go to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's gonna be better fan bases. And even Anywhere in Northern, else. even in Northern California, if you want to stay home and let your friends come watch you, let your friends and family come watch you, you're gonna be a bulldog, not a Spartan. Be a so. bulldog. Yeah, they also have a lot of roster turnover, so they can't. It's hard for them to keep guys in development, yeah. which is actually it's that's a problem. That's a pandemic in mid major yeah. basketball, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, um, but enough about the bottom two. I think those those two will probably finish ten and eleven in either order, and it doesn't really matter. Um, six through let's let's go six through eight. And then we'll work our way back up to one through mm-hmm. four where Utah State is. Or uh, like one through five where Utah State is and talk about that. So six through eight, 
Um, the Mountain West actually had the Bulldogs as six, Rebels as seven, and then the Lobos and Cowboys tied at eight um, rather than eight nine, which is interesting. But that, that, is interesting. that low down the totem pole, I'm not sure that it really matters. But but here, so let's talk about these four. When I look at these four, six, seven, eight, nine, or six, seven, eight, eight, I see two programs that are just absolute behemoths in college basketball. And this, to your point, Jacob, with San Jose, San Jose might be the least storied program, particularly on the basketball side in the Mountain West. Um, even Air Force has had some really great players and really great alumni go through Air Force. I mean, Craig Popovich, for crying out loud, went to Air Force and played for the Air Force Academy. So San Jose is like the only team that doesn't have that. Look at these teams, six through nine. You have UNLV and New Mexico that are two of the most storied basketball programs in the West. And Fresno State, who's really good and pretty consistently in the top half, and Wyoming. And I think six through nine could not only like finish in any order, I think any of those teams could make a jump and be in the top of the Mountain West. In fact, I think any of those teams, maybe not necessarily a regular season title, any of those four teams could win the tournament and earn an automatic bid, I think. Yeah, that's that's quite the statement right there. I You think that I any of those four teams could... I think there are nine teams in the Mountain West that could reasonably win the Mountain West Championship in a year. Uh, Just because crazy. it's so, like, between one and nine is so tight, and all you have to do really is to get hot at the right time. I don't see Wyoming winning a regular season title. That's just too much, and you have to be too good for too long. But if Wyoming gets hot, they could beat the Aztecs, the Wolfpack, and Utah State in three consecutive games. And they got hot, they Easily, got hot in right? 2020, and they beat, knocked out Nevada and then almost beat Utah State in the semis. Yeah, so. yeah. No, that's, uh, yeah, that's quite the proclamation i think i was interested to see fresno state they were six right yeah and i think the reason why i think they were ahead of unlv in new mexico if anything it's just a little bit more consistency because their coach returns and they have a a potential all mountain west player at forward in orlando robinson yeah and so they orlando robinson's really good yeah so they have they have some uh some just returners and like a little bit of establishment that's coming back. Yeah. And so I think it's a more comfortable pick ahead of some of those other teams. Yeah. But or it's more comfortable. But but is it more correct? I don't think it's more correct, really. Yeah. I think that New Mexico and UNLV, both with their roster turnovers, I think both those teams have lifted their their talent level. Absolutely. And with uh with Patino now at New Mexico and uh Tim Miles, I believe, at Las Vegas. Uh, uh, Kevin Kruger. Oh, excuse me, Kevin Kruger. Yeah, Tim Miles is at San Jose State. Yeah. yeah so Kevin Kruger. So that, that'll be interesting because they're new coaches. They both schools brought in a lot of new talent. So yeah, it's it's hard if you're if you're picking in the preseason. You're like, well, they haven't done anything established yeah, yet, right? Yeah. So like, oh, we'll put them seventh and eighth. Like that's it's a almost bit more what safe. Utah State football ran into, where you look at the Blake Anderson hire and you're like, yeah, that's the right hire. He brought in great guys, but you're not going to be the guy that goes and ranks him in the top five in the conference. I yeah. think that same thing's happening with New Mexico and UNLV. Yeah, I'm I think so, you. too. I think so. And, like, the, the coaching staffs that they brought in, I think they were the right hires. Like, I think they're both pretty decent coaches with, like, proven abilities at previous schools. I mean, Patino's coming off getting fired, but he's getting fired from Minnesota. Where That might be the hardest job in the Big Ten. Yeah, that might be one of the bigger <laughs> – one of the, one of the tougher jobs in the Big Ten. 
all it takes is for one of those teams to start getting good, particularly New Mexico. If New Mexico starts to get good, the pit is going to be absolutely impossible to win in. The Thomas and Mac is just at an inherent disadvantage because it's just it's built different. It's it's the Thomas and Mac. The pit, if New Mexico starts to get good, they might not lose a game at home like the second half of the season. If they show promise and if they start to get hot, they are one of those teams that has a real home court advantage. We like to talk about it all the time at Utah State with the spectrum. San Diego State and New Mexico are kind of those other two teams that have a really serious home court advantage. And if they get rolling, like, I don't want to go to the pit. Like, they will be really good. Oh, yeah. The the pit, the thing about the pit, too, is the stadium, the arena capacity is like fourteen or 15,000. Yeah. So the spectrum, it's ten thousand crazy, but you it's pretty much the same level of intensity in the pit. Yeah, but then you add building. five, you yeah. add five thousand fans. It's got those low ceilings to keep the yeah. trap the sound. Yeah. So those four are definitely interesting. Wyoming losing their um, their best player. So Wyoming, they still have shooters on their team. They still have playmakers. Fresno's the same way. They have they have playmakers. I think, like you said, Fresno at six is the safe bet, but. I wouldn't be betting against UNLV and New Mexico either. No. Um, and just by default, I think Wyoming might take a step back just because they're the one team in their conference that didn't take a substantial step forward. Yeah. And you can't do that in the Mountain West. The Mountain West, I think, is going to return to some prominence this year. I think we're going to see more more tones of the old Mountain West. I wouldn't be th- – this league that we're looking at, um, if it unfolds even remotely how it's supposed to, will be a multi-bid league for sure. Oh, it's got I, I think it's a matter of whether it's two or three or four. There's no way the Mountain West is only getting one team. And I think we're going to start seeing those, you know, the Mountain West of old where we've had four and five bids. I don't know we're I don't know that we're there yet, but we this could be a four-bid league yeah. depending on what happens. So uh, let's get, jump up to that exciting – one through five tier Utah State picked to finish last in these five but again it could go in almost any order and make perfect sense to me yeah no it's uh it's gonna be fun with all these teams if I speaking candidly I think that San Diego State is still the best team because they do reload and they got some good transfers but is that is that just because it's comfortable is that, just, is that just the comfortable thing to say because we're so used to well, that? Well, I, I think the comfortable thing might might be to go with, uh, uh, yeah, Colorado, go with Colorado State, State and David That's Roddy. And, you can't go wrong with either of those two. You're right. But the thing about Colorado State is some of their assistant coaches got poached over the offseason. How, yeah, how and, there was no way that coaching staff was going to go on. Yeah, and it's pretty incredible that Nico Medved, one, stayed himself and didn't get poached somewhere, but two – Kept his whole team a, and signed a massive extension. Like he, yeah, he, he tied himself. Out. He tied himself down to the Rams. Yeah, so, so good for Colorado State. So things are looking up for them, but I don't know. They'll be better just because it's the same unit coming back for yeah. another year. But yeah. I kind of see them similarly to how we saw Utah State coming into twenty twenty, because twenty nineteen, Utah State exceeds expectations. They clinch a share of the regular season title when the Mountain yeah. West Conference Colorado State didn't do that. They finished third. But my point being they came back in twenty twenty and were the preseason pick to win the Mountain West. And they I'm not sure if they were better in twenty twenty than they were in twenty nineteen. They yeah. even though they had some of the same dudes, they may not they were lacking a little bit of depth. 
But even though they had Keta and Sam and everyone was a little bit older, they might have, you could argue, even though they won the Mountainless Championship Tournament, they did not exceed or they underperformed with expectations that year. And so for Colorado State, I see them similar. Now they're not in the AP Top 25 like Utah State was coming into 2020, but they are expected to be at the top where a place they've actually haven't been to yet and now all the eyes all the pressure is on them and yeah. just there's yeah. a machine churning down in san diego that just got yeah. dudes and brian, brian dutcher, dutcher yeah. is yep yeah and so honestly that that would have been my pick yeah as the preseason i can, I can see that and i'm yeah i'm not gonna disagree with you san diego state runs a unit down there in basketball brian dutcher is another one that i'm shocked that he did not get poached by a, a bigger school. And I think you're right. I think it's it's harder to play with a target on your back. Utah State kind of showed that. And I I wouldn't go as far as to say that they underperformed. But you could tell that Utah State hasn't been used to playing with a target on their back like they were in the WAC. You know, it took, it took us a few years to get back to establishing ourselves as the top dog in the conference. And I think now that we are back at the top, we're going to stay here because that's what Utah State does in basketball. And I think the program's getting more used to playing with the target on their back. Like you said, that's not Colorado State. So they, they might be a little bit shaken up because you're going to have teams like the the Bulldogs, the Rebels, the Lobos, and the Cowboys who want to beat the Rams really, really badly. And can the Rams go in game in, game out, and you just, just flat out take care of business? That's tough to do in this conference. So I could see that happening. San Diego State is used to the pressure. Yeah. They've been literally a top five team in the country before. They know what it's like to be hunted, and they know what it's like to, to still win games. So I could see that. Um, One thing I want to bring up, you mentioned Brian Dutcher. You said, I'm surprised he didn't go and get a better job somewhere. Yeah. I'm going to make a hot take coming in. How many jobs are better than San Diego State? I know not Power 5 money, so if we're strictly speaking by the dollar, which is probably all we should be talking by, there's places that can pay him more. I don't know his salary in San Diego State off the top of my head, but I assume that it's if one of the higher ones, one of the highest ones in the league, if not the highest, probably in mid major, yeah. But you're in San Diego, like the, everyone wants to live in San Diego. Well, you're in San Diego too. Um, you're in this incredible hotbed, and he has this established tradition, and he's able to get all these transfers to come in. Like how, how he poached. He got Matt Bradley from California. Matt Bradley could have gone anywhere, and uh, he comes down to San Diego. Yep. So they don't – but in my head, I'm like, maybe there's more money because they yeah, got that Big Ten true. money, there's, but there's is it a better more, job? Definitely more money in a lot of those Power 5 conferences, but you don't get to live in San Diego. And, and his job is one of the most secure in the country too. So And B.A. Haas Arena is yeah. the best atmosphere in any California school. Yeah, maybe you don't want to go and put yourself in a job where you could get fired in three years because – the Dutch is never getting fired from San Diego State. That's the Dutch is never getting fired. Yeah, so <laughs> that's a good point. Um, so yeah, one and two, the Rams, San Diego State. I think I still think it could go either way. To be honest with you, I mm-hmm. think you have a good point though that San Diego State just if they just go out and do what they do, they'll probably end up at the top of the conference. The Wolf Pack, I think, comes in right behind those two. The uh, if I'm being honest, the one that I maybe have questions about is Boise State. Um, because they they lose their best player in Derek Alston to the NBA. They lose their best player. And I know this is 
This probably sounds weird coming from a Utah State fan because we also lost our best player in Nimi Escada. I just don't know that they were as deep around Derek Alston as Utah State was around Nimi Escada. I mean, yeah, Nimi Escada was our best player, but we also had Justin Bean, who is, I don't want to say like right up there with him or, you know, anything like that, but Justin Bean is one of the best players in the conference. And I think what it came down to was Utah State has a new coach, Boise State doesn't. And I think it was just the secure pick to have Boise State finish before. I think Utah State's going to be better than Boise coming into this season. Um, I really like what Coach Odom has done. And I think the style of play that he plays, he has a roster that's better fitted for it. Um, I think raw talent, you look at the transfer portal for Utah State, we lost a couple dudes. We bring in some guys that... I think are perceived to be not as good. I think most people would look at the transfer portal for Utah State as a net loss this year. But if you look at the way that uh, Ryan Odom runs his offenses, I'm not convinced that it's a net loss. I think it's probably a net gain because um, he's bringing in shooters that don't turn the ball over. I think Utah State is going to be better than fifth in the in the conference. Yeah, I, that's pretty – you can switch those two. I, yeah, I, even I still if it's think, not much. I mean, even yeah. if it's four, I think they – I think I would pick them. At I think it goes down to what you said is just Boise's a little bit more established, and that's kind of been a theme of what we've been talking about. Yeah. But like Leon Rice, he's a good coach for Boise State, but he's not a dude that I believe in. He's not a dude that I would put house money on that I'm gonna yeah. hang my hat on. He those teams always shrivel in March. Those Boise teams, they're yeah. great in November, they're great in December and January. They shrivel in March. Yeah. So I don't see how that's gonna change this year. They're a team that. And head-to-head matchups, just their athleticism stuff, going to cause Utah State some trouble. But yeah. I think it's also a team that's going to lose games in the conference, and so they're not going to yeah. they're going to yeah. they're going to beat the top of the conference, but then they're going to lose a game to Wyoming, and they yeah. they're going to lose to exactly. New Mexico, right? Exactly. And, and I don't Boise's think that's going to change. Boise's kind of playing with a target too, uh, because of their finish last year, and can they handle it? It's true. You know, so they are going to lose games to Wyoming and New Mexico. And UNLV. And Utah State might as well. but <laughs> Yeah, Utah State will probably lose teams. That's the thing. Is everyone's going to lose to everybody this yeah. year. Yeah, pick to finish underneath them. Utah State will have a winning record probably, but we're going to lose games to – I mean, if you look at the teams below us, it's Fresno State, who gave us a lot of problems last year, UNLV, who beat us last year and are getting better, uh, New Mexico, who is poised to be – they're going to break out at some point. New Mexico is the only team in the conference that has won back-to-back-to-back. I mean, they're it's true. one of the best – like, in aggregate, they're one of the best college basketball teams in the conference that have just had bad year after bad year after bad year. They're going to break out of that eventually, and if oh, yeah. Utah State ends up on the wrong end of that, you know, so any any one of those teams is going to beat a team projected to finish higher than them. No one's safe in this league. I mean, what you got to do in this league, you got to go 4-0 against San Jose and Air Force. And, like, if you, you know, you have to do that because those are the only two teams that you're probably going to, you can really guarantee you're going to go and sweep them. Those are the only gimmies, quote-unquote. Yeah, if you want to call them gimmies, then that those are the two that would... And even then, maybe Utah State lost to Air Force in 2020 in yeah. Colorado Springs. Like, Yeah, so you got to sweep those ones. Real quick, before we get into football, because we're going to be running out of time, and we have a big game for homecoming coming up uh, against the Colorado State Rams, actually, projected to finish first in basketball. Let's just run through Mountain West, regular season title, tournament championship, bid to the NCAA tournament. What are your thoughts on those three? Um, yes or no, and kind of what are the chances those happen? 
I don't think Utah State's going to win the regular season conference. I think their offensive production really needs to go up this year because last year, Keta just so effective. And now the big guys like Shimon and Trev and like those guys, if healthy, they're getting better and they're going to have a presence. But it's not – Nimi was like everything in the lane was – like if you don't you lost your guy, Nimi, you could still yeah. you could still recover, and that's just not the case. These aren't centers that are above the rim. So what's going to happen – That's nothing against our guys. That's the fact that, that they're exactly. playing with an NBA guy. So what's going to happen is Utah State needs to ramp up their offensive production this year. Yeah. And to what extent they can do that, I am uncertain. And with just how many – established teams are already it's going to be it's going to be tough i think the best that utah state can do the ceiling for utah state i believe is a third place finish maybe a third place finish sneak into an at-large bid yeah that is their ceiling conference tournament i can't predict anything just three games in a row in a wild night it's chaos right so So if i was betting man right now like it's one out of 11 teams like no utah state's not going to win the tournament that's not no there's no way they can it's just probably not going to happen but the ceiling is they do squeak it with an at-large bid because there's going to be enough teams but they're going to have to do well in the non-conference for that to happen and starting the season with injuries and there's the teams hasn't really it needs to gel still together and it's going to be a tough non-conference some some of those games it might uh fan base there, there might be a few letdowns early in the season the fan base is going to be like oh boy but yeah, they're going to get it together but will it be enough in time that they have a resume for the NCAA tournament I don't know best of the case scenarios they do but I would guess no to that okay I think as far as the regular season title goes our ceiling I think we could win it I really do I think uh, we talk about losing Kata. We also we haven't talked about losing Coach Smith as much, and I think there's a reason for that. I think Kata is more irreplaceable as a player than Coach Smith was as a coach. There's no way we Agreed. can replace Nemius Kata. We have to find a way to run a different offense and run a different defense because Kata's gone. Like he doesn't he doesn't play here anymore, and you're not going to get somebody like that. Coach Smith was a good coach, and I don't want to act like he's not. But Ryan Odom's a good coach, too, and it's a lot easier, in my opinion, to replace a good coach with another good coach than it is to replace a once-in-a-generation NBA player. So I think we talk a lot more about Nemius Keita. I think if we can figure out how to play without him, and I think Ryan Odom can, I think we can win the, win the conference. That being said, the ceiling or the floor is probably a sixth-place finish. If you have New Mexico and UNLV both wake up at the same time, I don't see a way around it. You know, I, if, if UNLV and New Mexico play back up to their program peaks, I don't see a way around Utah State just because it's a first-year coach stay, taking a step back. And a sixth-place finish in a great conference, like, wouldn't even be disappointing. It sounds like it would be on paper, but you can have a winning record and come in sixth in the Mountain West. Um, in terms of the tournament, Again, I think we could win it. I think we have a better shot at winning the tournament than we do with the regular season um, just because it's three games in three days. You just got to win three, get right, get hot at the right time. But that being said, everybody else has the same chance too. Mm-hmm. And going against all these other teams that can get hot at the right time is tough. I think seeding is going to matter in the Mountain West tournament more than it usually does. Uh, that being said, I think we have more experience on our team in the Mountain West tournament. We have 
uh, Justin Bean, who's played in three consecutive championships and won two of them. And Ryan Odom has proved that he can win big games in tournament settings. So I like this team. I think it's built well for a tournament. Can we get into the NCAA tournament? Obviously, if we win the championship, if we win the regular season title or the conference title, there's no way that we're not getting in, um, at least on an at-large. I think the best chance for Utah State, if we are not the champions in either one of those, is for everyone else to have a really good out-of-conference schedule, for the Mountain West to really be taken seriously and become a four-bid league, three-bid league. Um, and if you know if UNLV and New Mexico get some big wins outside of conference, if Fresno gets some big wins out of conference, I think it elevates the whole conference. And I think on Selection Sunday that could benefit up to the top four teams. So depending on how the tournament goes and the regular season goes, if Utah State's right near at the top in both of those, if we're third-place finish regular season losing the championship game to the regular season title – there's no way we're not getting in. So it really depends on where we finish. But I I think we'll be seeing the Aggies play in March. I think I think they have what it takes. I think they'll find a way to get in. I it would be it would be a thrilling thing for the program if it does happen. Um just what, what everyone's gotta know is the non conference is so massively important. It's gonna start in November, your football season's gonna be going and a lot's going on. But November and December yeah. for the Aggies, but also for each team in the conference to like you mentioned to kind of build that ethos of everybody people gotta show up they gotta play yeah. well gotta gotta beat some teams in this non-conference so yeah yeah non-conference matters more in basketball than it does in football for sure because mm-hmm. you you know especially for us mid-major teams we're the ones that end up on a bubble uh we gotta we gotta go get some get some legacy wins early on um let's jump over to football so Colorado state homecoming game we're wearing all blues it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a fun game. If you don't have your tickets, get your tickets. What do you think happens, Jacob? I, I've, I've talked so much about this Colorado State team and just how I don't know anything about them. Do you know something I don't? Like, is there is there something about this team that makes sense to you? Because to me, nothing makes sense with this Rams football team. The one thing that I do we do know is I think that they're trending in the right direction. Um, For sure. They started not doing so hot, but now with the, the wins they've gotten – they're doing well, but now they're for them. This is when the test really begins, right? Because opposite to Utah State, they've uh, they've had some simpler games to start the conference, and now they're really now getting into that behemoth of them. Um, their defense is good. How good they haven't played a really really dynamic offense. They're, the best team they played was Iowa, and Iowa was as high as third before they lost to Purdue. But yeah, they were five even, at the time they played the Rams. Even even then, their their offense isn't anything special right um yeah, 14 up against iowa put up 14 against yeah iowa. so i uh i'm really interested to see on friday night what the what the colorado state defense can do to utah state and we i yeah. mentioned this on twitter last night and it's been floating around but their pass defense is really strong i believe like 22nd they're uh in yards per game that they give up like they yeah. don't give up too many yards in yeah. the air but another thing is they haven't played any dynamic they passing haven't played offenses. DT. Right? They haven't played, they haven't DT. played DT. Come on, let's go. Logan Bonner. So, yeah. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Such a weird team. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like you're saying, they've only scored more than 30 twice. And one of them was, like, they barely did. It was, like, 32. They, they've scored, like, yeah, low-scoring offense. But you can get away with a low-scoring offense if you have a good defense, which so far they kind of have. Like, they, I mean, it looks good. But, again, they haven't. 
it's just so hard because they've played like an SEC team, but it was Vanderbilt. And like Iowa was good. I mean, that was a good matchup, but like I don't know what we really learn out of one game. And then uh, the the Rams are unbeaten in conference, uh, 2-0 and against San Jose State in New Mexico. Um, New Mexico on the road, San Jose at home. So I just don't know about this team, man. I think it's a weird team. Regarding Utah State, one thing I want to get your opinion on, Jacob, before mm-hmm. we like dive into this game is I talk I've talked about it a little bit. I think I've talked to you about it off air. I talked about it on the show last week. I've talked about it a lot. Why why is Savon Scarver not getting involved on offense more? Because like, I can't figure it out. In my mind, there's no excuse not to get your playmakers the ball. And that's the difference between good teams and great teams is you find a way to get your playmakers the ball. Savon Scarver's got to be one of the fastest kids in the conference. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and we only use him on, on kick returns. Yeah, like what, what's what's going on there from your point of view? Because I can't figure it out. Well, I mean, it's been a theme for the past couple of years. He's The reality is he's never been the go-to res- receiver for Utah State. Like, yeah. It's not a Jordan Nathan who's had high production and now all of a sudden not anymore. Yeah. The thing about Savon is his hands aren't great. Yeah. It's he's not somebody that's gonna consistently catch balls in traffic. Um so that I think that's one thing. And then there's you know, they have more trust, more confidence in the other wideouts in Derek Wright and Justin McGriff than they do in Savon Scarver. Yeah. Where I would agree with you and they gotta utilize him is he is such a speed demon. They did a little shuttle pass to him. They they've done, yeah, I've seen him against the once against and they got a, they got like a twelve yard game from it. So yeah. I want to see more more of that. Like, what's the excuse for not doing stuff like that? Yeah. They've done a decent job. Some games better than other, but they've done a good job of getting the ball in the hands of DT, even though a lot of times, yeah, there's such a focus to shut him down from opposing defenses. Yeah. So I, you're absolutely right. They save on such a speed demon, and he has he has size yeah, and the agility, I, but yeah, I they don't, don't use him. They, and like you said, give him the shuttle pass. Yeah. I don't care if his hands are bad. Find yeah. a way to get that kid the ball and put some green in front of him. He's going to score. Yeah. And, and you pointed out DT. If you're a defensive coordinator and you look at the field and they have Savon and DT on the field, who are you guarding? Or who do you want your best corner guarding? Yeah, I think that's really what it is. Is I mean, In the wideout position, the, the coaching staff has more confidence in Derek Wright and Justin McGriff than yeah. they do on Savon, in Savon Scarver. I, I just think you got to find a way to use him differently. You don't, you don't run him downfield and drop a 30-yard bomb in his lap. You know, if you don't trust his hands, you don't trust his hands. Give him the ball in the backfield and just give him a little bit of green. He's crafty enough. He's fast enough. Like, we've seen him do it on kickoff return. Like, we've seen him get through traffic. Yeah, I would like to see him utilize. I'd love to see yeah. him. And yeah. another thing is they have to switch up their offensive attack a little bit because yeah. um, they have to establish their run game. But they're, uh, they're a little bit aloe, Felipe Alos, He's still out in the center position. And they're not – they're just not – there's dudes, if you look at these individuals, like Alfred Edwards and um, Quasel White, like there's dudes that can make plays in the O-line, but they're not really getting that collective push that you need. Yeah. So they got to come up with more creative ways to run the ball. And yeah. Calvin Tyler Jr., he's all, he's still injured. We'll see if he even plays on Friday night. And so that would be a way is Get save give it on, to yeah. give, save on the ball out in space. Like let's run – Anderson talks about how, oh, man, like we get – we're – Teams are bigger and stronger than us, but we still have the speed against them. Well, let's then let's use, use that yeah, speed. Let's use it. Let's right? use that speed. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I agree with you. I don't think he's the greatest. There, I, there's a lot of better wide receivers on the team, 
but not even speaking wide receivers, just speaking get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Yeah, they do. They need to utilize them more than yeah. they are. I, th- I think so. And I'm glad you brought in, you know, what we're up against. I'm I'm glad you kind of brought it back to um, our offensive scheme as a whole because I think that's going to be a telling point. Like that's going to be make or break against Colorado State. Is can we find a way to get a little bit more creative? We ran the ball right up the middle all game long against UNLV, and we won because we were playing UNLV. If we run that same game plan, we're not going to beat Colorado State. You, Colorado State's not a team that you just beat by being good. So if we if we were to run that same offense and get the same production out of it, I mean, if the run game's working, like I have nothing against the run game. But when you're picking up one yard on a good run and getting pushed back on all the other ones, you got to find a, a find a way to mix that up on offense. And I think, like you said, Savon could be a big part of that if you just get him the ball. And I think we do have good receivers. I think DT is probably one of the best receivers in the in the conference. Um, and so how, how do we get those guys involved? And how can we break down that secondary of Colorado State? Because that's been – they've had a good defense, and the strong suit of their defense has been has been the, the secondary. So if we can break through that, whether it's DT or Savon or McGriff or Derek Wright, uh, Van Leeuwen hasn't played a lot, but if he gets in – you know, we got to do something. We got to make something up to get the ball downfield. Yeah, I really think the answer is still with the the running game, and it, it's it's kind of a numbers game. Like against UNLV, a lot of the game UNLV, their defensive line was actually pretty good. And their, their line Colorado State's yeah. is going to be good too, but they were that second UNLV's half. UNLV's line might be bigger than Colorado State's, if I'm being honest. It might be. I have yeah. to look close at the numbers, but yeah. UNLV had a pretty big one. Yeah. And in that second half, they were they were rushing four, but they were dropping linebackers back into coverage, and they were yeah. – so I still think that it was a poor offensive scheme, and then we, we ran the – Utah State ran the ball way too much because even you saw finally the last drive of the game, even though UNLV had more numbers and coverage, they were still able to find those completions. Yeah. The thing is, Colorado State secondary is a little bit better than UNLV's, I believe. And yeah. so those passing plays that they should have done more of, those will be even harder to come by, even though I think – they will be able to find success in the air, but you gotta force some Colorado. You gotta force Colorado State to respect the run and to not just sell it for the pass. Like they, yeah. you gotta make their linebackers stay true, stay home in the box, and yep. anticipate the run. And that starts with you gotta get past the D line, and you so gotta move the ball, right? You gotta you move you the gotta ball on the ground. The yeah. So we that's talk so much about multiplicity on the defensive end, given given offenses different looks. Um, keeping offenses honest, uh, you got to do it on the same. You got to do it on the offense too. It's true. I mean, Coach Bondas figured it out on defense. Uh, I think Coach Tucker needs to, not that like he needs to figure it out. I think yeah. he's been great all year, but he needs to figure out a way to give that, get that multi- multiplicity, give a defense different looks, and they don't know what's coming. Yeah. Um, but I do think it comes down to the to our offense, our defense. I don't know why it's been getting. So many complaints. So many people are really, really low on this defense. I think the defense has been fine. Um, against UNLV, they ran the ball a lot. Um, I talked about this on the show on Monday. If it weren't for Charles Williams, they rushed for negative yards. So if you if you remove Charles Williams from the equation, and Charles Williams is just an absolute beast, Utah State's defense was just fine. They ran for – he I, ran for – I will say – I see what you're saying, and I agree with you that the defense actually did okay. But 
removing Charles Williams from the UNLV run <laughs> game is like removing LeBron James from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, he doesn't play for the Cavaliers anymore. Exactly. And but, they're terrible but, now. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, exactly. I mean, Charles Williams doesn't play for Colorado State. Oh, yeah, it's true. So, I mean, I, that's all I'm saying is, like, the defense wasn't that uh, bad. I'm with you. Charles Williams torched us. He ran for 221 yards of UNLV's 219. So, Colorado State doesn't have a Charles Williams or a Tyler Algier. Both of both of those dudes torched us. Yep. But if Colorado State doesn't have that guy, like, our, our defense isn't that bad. That's what I'm saying. Like, it takes a really special kid you. to break it, break us down. When they do, they really do in oh, a yeah. noble fashion. But, <laughs> I mean, 219 yards on the ground, 221 of them coming from one kick. And 111 yards in the air isn't all that bad at all to give no. up. Yeah, no, it's I... 109 yards total if you take out Charles Williams. So, Charles Williams can't play for two teams at once. He's And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying nobody on Colorado State is talented or can move the ball. But they don't have an NFL caliber running back. But like they don't have an NFL. The yeah, they don't have an NFL quarterback. They don't have an NFL running back. And and that's my that's my point about the defense is if you just look at the raw numbers, yeah, you might be disappointed. But if you look closely, the defense has been fine. Our, our secondary has been pretty good. Um, it's just that one kid. We've we've just had that one kid giving us problems the past two weeks. Whether it's Tyler Algier or Charles Williams. Just those big plays, Coach Bennett. It's mentioned yep. it just it's individual plays where there's just some guy on the other team makes a play and one guy's out of position or just misses a tackle and boom and so you just got to limit that and they did a really good great job in the second half limiting that like the defense won that game for Utah State yep because yep. the offense was doing nothing in that third and fourth quarter and Utah State they did enough it was like yeah. it was like me and my flag football game last night like I locked down their best receiver and so they weren't scoring touchdowns but then we go on offense and we just couldn't move the ball and get <laughs> touchdowns, right? And that's the same thing that happened to Utah State against UNLV. And yeah. but in the end, unlike my enough, unlike my flag football team, in the end, Utah State did put together a game-winning drive and win that game and advance. Sadly, we did not. Sorry we were out that. in the semis. I'm Sorry pretty pretty hurt about it. But yeah, so I'm hanging my hat on the defense going in this game Friday, and I hopefully so, yeah. the, they they should yeah. be able to win this game for us. I think mm-hmm. they they have to be able to win this game for us. Um, how hungry do you think? Colorado State comes into this game I've mentioned it before I think Colorado State is getting to the point where they really hate us <laughs> because if you remember a couple years back we win on an illegal touching call that was wild last year we forfeited I really think these guys are starting to hate Utah State yeah no I, I think they would love nothing more than to come in and beat us on homecoming night and to stay unbeaten in conference like they need it but I think they also I think they're going to be playing a little bit angry no, the winner of this game is kind of – I don't want to say the driver's seat because that's a strong word, but mm, it, it is, might – It's true. It's true. Like, whoever wins this game is – In the driver's seat of the, driver's the, seat of the division. Of the division. Um, yeah, because Utah State's got the tiebreaker. either unbeaten or you have one loss to a team that – Has two losses. Has two losses. Yeah. And you have the tiebreaker, so. Yeah, so it's really big game. And, then, yeah, Colorado State, they got to be pissed that – Utah right. State forfeited the game last year, right? Yeah. Like this, that was their their final game of the season, and they, they didn't get to play. Yeah, we took away their senior night. Yeah, so they're coming in. We took we took away their senior night. They're trying to ruin our homecoming night now. Yeah, they're trying yeah, to I think dismantle that spirit of the Scotsman. They want to shred upset. that to pieces. Yeah, I think they're going to be playing a little bit angry, uh, both by necessity and because I think we're we're just. I hate that we're becoming this team, but we're just kind of becoming that team that's just like annoying to them. Like it's always something. 
with the Aggies from their perspective. Even they're either, even they're two either years winning ago, on a weird play or they're not playing us. Like there's always something that's just yeah. weird about this matchup. Yeah, the, the interesting thing to me that I'm honestly a little bit surprised about this with Utah State having four wins, beating Air Force and playing at home is Colorado State's favored. They're the three-point favorite. Yep. Even after you wrote this whole story, like for the the wire or whatever, and you were talking about how Utah State just kind of pants Vegas and the betters, mm-hmm. and they're already at the over. They were supposed to win three and a half. They they already won four. Won that fourth in Vegas. Now all of a sudden, they're still favoring us to lose at home against Colorado they State. They never learn. They never. They, learn. they never learn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I will say the matchup predictor, um, according to ESPN's Football Power Index, has. Colorado State at 50.5%, and that's at 49.5%, which is basically a dead-even draw. Yeah. I mean... That's 50-50. I guess that's... I mean, technically, they're favored in in that regard as well, but that's a dead-even draw. Yeah. And I I honestly think that's kind of how this game goes. I think, looking at the schedule, this is probably the toughest game we have left, unless Wyoming or San Jose figure stuff out. Those are some other kind of weirder teams that... I can't really get a, a good handle on. They're just kind of weird. But this is probably the toughest game of the season, uh, the toughest remaining game of the season. Dude, Utah State wins this game. They're five and two. Five and two. Yep. Lead in the division. Yep. And you you just got some, just got some uh, some subpar opponents ahead of you. So. Yep. Yep. I wouldn't say gimmies, but subpar I think is a fair. Yeah. Fair word. And you still have a non-conference game that if you have to lose a game, just make sure it's in Las Cruces. <laughs> that's that's kind of the nice thing. You almost have they like an insurance policy. If they, if they have to lose a game, it better be against the Aggies. The Aggies, the Aggies ain't losing to the Aggies, though. The Aggies are terrible. The Aggies ain't going to lose to the Aggies. That's true. New Mexico State. <laughs> Um, I think we should win that game. All I'm saying is if we're going to lose a game, that better be the one. Choose that one, yeah. Yeah, because if we if we win this next game, um, I know I've said this probably a couple times already, but if we if we win this game, we've got to be projected to win out. And I think we're pretty close to being projected to win out anyways. I think this would be the one game that we're projected to lose. I can't imagine anyone has Hawaii – San Jose State, Wyoming, or New Mexico beating Utah State. Maybe Wyoming or San Jose, but I got to imagine we're pretty close to favored the remainder of the season if we can beat these Rams. At that point, one of the biggest concerns becomes can Utah State stay away from beating themselves, which means health and then other off-field things and just keeping the momentum and the team unity, which is a concern that something that is difficult to do throughout a 12 week season, yep. honestly. And so if, if they beat Colorado state at that point, you still got to go into every game and prepare and play your best football. But a lot of that depends yep. on how the team is doing as a unit and in the locker room. And stuff. I agree. I, and I think there's almost an aspect of that already, but I think especially if we beat Colorado state, we always talk about being in the driver's seat or controlling your own destiny um, if we beat the Rams this this week, I think that becomes extremely true. If we win against Colorado State, there's no one else left on our schedule that can beat us, but we can beat ourselves any given week. And that's oh, yeah. true. That's true right now. I mean, that's always true in a team sport or in a high-stakes sport like football. But if we beat Colorado State, the numbers have to say that we're favored for the rest of the season. 
and the only team that can beat us at that point is ourselves so that's a great point so if we can beat these rams i think the shift does change a little bit the priorities change a little bit um coach anderson has kind of dodged the questions so far about a conference championship he's He's addressed that it would be cool. He's addressed that that would be the ultimate goal, the dream. But he's avoided having a full-on conversation about it really so far. You can't avoid that anymore if you beat Colorado State because that becomes the focus, I think, a little bit. Um, at 5-2 and two with subpar opponents left. So a lot's riding on this game. If, if we go to the beginning of the season, if like you tell me that Colorado State and Utah State halfway through the season, the winner of this is going to like be in control of the Mountain Division. I'm yeah. like, bro, what are you talking about? Yep. Especially after we watched Colorado State lose to that FCS school, uh, San, uh, South Dakota State, right? I'm like, yep. seriously? The Jackrabbits. Yeah, the, the Boise's just kind of not been great this year. and so yeah. they're, they're allowed to have a down year once every decade, I guess. But ah, They could have a down year every year. Like I'd be happy with that. but <laughs> The conference wouldn't, but I would be. <laughs> Well, Parker, what else you got? We've talked all the talking points, said all the things we needed to say. I think we've hit just about everything. Let's take a look now just at the Mountain West. Oh, that's right. Yeah, let's look at the uh, schedule. See what else is going on. I think I have. I got it pulled up. All right, let's hear it. All right, so on Thursday, today, San Jose State plays UNLV. I'm picking the Rebels to get their first win since 2019 in this game. Against San Jose? Against San Jose. It's their homecoming night down in Vegas. They're going to get it done. Friday? I, yeah. I, we'll talk about them in a minute, I guess. So, sorry to cut you off. I was just going to say I agree. Oh, I, I think yeah. that could happen. I could see it. Aggies, Colorado State, Friday night. Saturday, 23rd, New Mexico and Wyoming. Then San Diego State and Air Force. That's going to be a good game. It's going to be a big one. That's that, be a big like, one. low-key is basically the conference championship. That That's probably the best team in the Mountain Division, best team in the – West yeah, that's probably true. Nevada and Fresno State, those uh, also the, uh, two the best two teams in the Pacific. There, yeah, yeah, the other two and best then, teams in the West. And then nine fifty nine Mountain Time kickoff, Hawaii takes on New Mexico State. So, yeah, that's uh, that's stacked. There is not a single stacked. game I would want to miss. Well, maybe Hawaii, New Mexico State at a conference game. Um. That's a loaded schedule. Jacob, what's your must-watch of this week? Mm, it's it's hard to pick between Nevada, Fresno State, and San Diego State Air Force. Yeah. Um, who am I going to choose? Who am I going to choose? I think uh, I think I got to go with Nevada and Fresno State. Okay. Honestly. I, I like it. I like the pick. Let, I, me, let me just say, I think Carson Strong and going up against that Bulldog defense – it's just so going to be fun. such a fun matchup. So fun. Yeah, so that's um, mine. I have another question for you. I'll do my must-watch of the week, and then I want to ask you, Sure. do you think any teams can be ranked at the end of the week um, just based off this week alone? My must-watch, I'm really tempted to go go a little bit of a curveball and go UNLV, San Jose State. I think that game is going to be really, really entertaining. I think the entertainment factor is going to be there, but the conference ramifications aren't quite there for me, so I am going to pick san diego state air force i think that's also going to be a really entertaining game so outside of the utah state game if you're going to tune into one game my uh my vote is the san diego state game big week for the conference honestly is anybody ranked that is not currently ranked at the end of the week at the end of the week if air force beats san diego state they will be ranked yep they they're already receiving votes 
if they beat San Diego State, they're in for sure. And I think there's also a decent chance the winner of Nevada and Fresno State could be ranked depending on other games through in the country. I think I think that might be true. I also part of me thinks that maybe just Nevada. If Nevada wins maybe. they get in. If Fresno, I don't know if it's quite enough. Because Fresno is two loss. They're a two loss um, team, huh? But I will say I don't know what the odds are that we have two ranked teams at the end of the week. I think it's probably pretty low. Because I think in order for Air Force to get in, San Diego State obviously gets booted. Nevada maybe. Fresno even bigger, maybe. Yeah, Utah I would State no. Colorado State no way. Those are the yeah. the only two other the only three other teams that have been knocking on the door are Nevada, Fresno, Air Force, and two of those teams are playing each other, and the other's playing the other team in the top twenty-five currently. Yeah. So, I think it'd be it'd be a tough ask to get two teams in the top twenty-five this week, but there's always next week. Yep. Yeah. Winner of AFA and SDSU will be the top twenty-five team, and then yeah. if Nevada wins, I would vote for them. Yeah. But and I, Wyoming is receiving a vote at some point this season, so <laughs> you never know. Maybe they'll decide to respect the Mountain West a little more <laughs> and, and get two of them in there. But real quick, just go through. And who do you who who are you going with in, in all these games? Who's your favorite? San Jose State. I got the Aggies. Yep. Twenty four twenty one. And oh, then big time. Okay. Yep. Yep. You're throwing a score out there. Yeah. You know, I've been kind of not down on the Aggies. I had them beat UNLV, but there were a lot of games I didn't have them winning, but yep. they did win. So yeah, they're gonna win. They're gonna win Friday night. Yes, they are. Yeah. Um. And then uh, I got I got Fresno State beat Nevada. I just do. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just that's that's a hunch. I got I got them Wild Falcons going down, taking out the Aztecs. I okay. think they're just they're just streaking right now. And the th- the thing is, is San Diego State doesn't score points. It's true. And so AFA with that triple option, all they gotta do is like score two touchdowns, and they're gonna win that game. Yep, I can see that. Yeah. And and then what was the, the so Wyoming? Yeah, Wyoming, New Mexico, and then Hawaii, New Mexico State. Oh uh, yeah. Well, Wyoming will get that the job done. Uh, you, you can't predict a, a new mexico school victory just like that's yeah. just like <laughs> yeah, just don't do that the state of new mexico goes over and two this it's like season. yeah it, it just uh don't hand out broccoli on halloween and do not predict a new mexico team to win a football game like it's just simple so yeah hawaii beats new mexico state and that's what i got cool um so air force is actually favored to win that san diego state game interesting um, which is interesting is um, it in colorado springs or is it in san diego it's in yeah, Falcon Stadium. In oh, okay. Springs. okay. Um, so I'm going. I, th- I think UNLV is going to get it done. I'm not going to lie. I Blake Anderson said it in the post game. They're going to get their wins, and I'm glad it wasn't against us. But they're going to get their wins at some point in the season. I think they could do it against San Jose. I think that's kind of the only upset, like true upset that I'm predicting. Really, it's the only true upset there is because everyone else is pretty well matched i think utah state gets it done against colorado state gotta go with wyoming over new mexico because why would you ever predict any team in new mexico to win (laughs) i think i think i'm with you i think air force could get it done beating san diego state but that one's gonna be a tough one san diego state looking to stay unbeaten as well i think it's probably air force and then i gotta go nevada and then hawaii so very Those nice. are my picks. So that's that's where we we'll differ is the Nevada Fresno game, I yeah. believe. Yeah. yeah. And that one could go either way. I respect it, yeah. I don't I really don't feel super strongly about any of those games. Except for Utah State, Colorado State. I feel pretty Utah strongly that I feel strongly that uh, New Mexico State will lose to Hawaii. <laughs> that's okay, I feel strongly about <laughs> that game and New Mexico losing to Wyoming. The rest could go either way. I feel less strong strongly about that. Yeah. 
Then them cowboys are a little, uh, little. You never know. They're a little. Uh, they're not as good as people. Uh, yeah. Thought they were, but that's all we got for you today. Um, big games, lots of big games this weekend, and basketball's right around the corner. So continue to tune in, and we'll get you all the get you all the coverage you need. We'll be back on Monday as well as next Thursday, um, as we usually are. So thanks for tuning in. Go Aggies. Party people, thanks for watching, listening. <laughs>